Hey everyone, this podcast is part of Story Mode, the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. You can support us and gain access to other great exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is David Bell, and uh, this is my associate, Miles Crackdust. Hello. And we just watched, uh, we just watched uh, season five, episode twelve of Psych, otherwise known as Dual Spires. Dual Spires. Dual Spires. Get it? Yeah. See, Do you get it? Because it's like Twin Peaks. Yeah, you got it. Cinnamon Festival. The Great Northern. I'm not familiar with that publication. Why, you know every small town newspaper in California? Actually, I do, Sean. Ridgecrest. The Daily Independent. Shonopolis. That doesn't exist. Yet. Just need 50,000 signatures and a large plot of land. We'll look up this town dual spires. I mean, how can there be a cinnamon festival that we've never heard of? Zoom in. Zoom in again. Keep zooming in. I am, Sean. Dude, this town is so small that it's in parentheses. How the heck did we get this email? It's a delicious mystery. Uh, first of all, first and for- foremost, uh, shout out to Noah, uh, our Patreon producer, who uh, made this all happen. Indeed. If you haven't been, yeah, if you haven't been t- paying attention, this is one of our like six hundred Saturday series that we're doing right now. Yeah, we've uh, got we've got a lot. We've got a lot. The, uh... <laughs> we're you know we're we're cycling through them. All right. Uh, this is a, a four-episode miniseries um, about the show Psych. Mm-hmm. Uh, last episode, we did the episode that is the Friday the 13th spoof. Yeah, and two, now like we're Tuesday doing, the 12th or something. Yeah, Tuesday, I think the 17th. Uh, and we will be continuing our pattern of doing uh, the, the movie spoof or, or pop culture spoof episodes, rather. Yeah. Uh, I... Already have established myself as a person who's never watched Psych. This is the second episode I've seen. Okay, interesting. So in between last episode and this episode, you have not watched any more Psych. No. Okay. I have not. Uh, so yeah, this is the second episode for me. Have you watched more Psych? Uh, a little bit, but st- I'm still in the first season. So like, sure. Actually, I might be in season two now, but I'm I'm still like early in the show. Right. Uh, but I did not start watching Psych until, if you guys listened to la- uh, the last episode of this miniseries, that, that's what made me start watching Psych. I had never seen it before. Yeah, I, I've been told to watch it by like my sister, a few people, uh, a lot of listeners mm-hmm. um, who like it. I'm not sure if these episodes are a good introduction I will uh, say, after this one. I will say this is a much better representation of what the show is. Than the, okay, that's than, good. than the previous episode we watched. Like the, it was weird that the, the premise of the show is we're, we're tackling, these aren't the only four episodes that uh, spoof movies, but the four episodes we're going to be covering are ones that are pretty direct movie parodies. Um, and it just so happens to that uh, the Friday the 13th one was the first one we did, and it's like one of the most format-breaking episodes of the series that I've seen in the limited amount of episodes that I've watched. So it was really well, a, a a wild way to inter- be introduced to the show 
it, it, with an episode that breaks the format and does not really represent what the rest of the series is like. I guess before we get into it, my question is, aside from format, do these episodes correctly represent the humor? Because because yes. of the nature of these episodes, it's almost all references. Every joke is a reference to Twin Peaks, or a lot of the stuff A lot is- of them is, and they're... This episode, uh, again, like I said, it's 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 it keeps the format. It's a better represent- representation of the show and the characters. The humor is more in line with the rest of the series. But this episode is so dense with Twin Peaks references that I had to stop writing them down during the yeah. fir- during the first scene. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's well, so dense with Twin Peaks references. <laughs> It did feel like it's in the first scene that like slowly morphs into Twin Peaks by the it does opening I, I, credits. I'm yeah, I meant yeah, not the very first scene. There's a couple in right. the very first scene when it's them in the in their detective agency. It's it's really the scene at the diner is when it really starts being like, oh shit, I just need to stop writing these down because <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna stop coming. I don't think, and they don't. Probably the uh, <laughs> the the biggest reference throughout is the fact that many of the actors in this were in Twin Peaks. Every single, pretty much every single supporting guest character in this episode is from yeah. Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, the log lady shows up as a woman carrying a piece of wood. Uh, Laura Palmer is right there in there. She's one of the murderers. Uh, as the doctor. She is one of the murderers. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They, uh, I read that they originally were going to, they wanted David Lynch. To yeah, guest star obviously and and a very the very funny reason why is the the main star i don't i forget his name but he also co-wrote this episode james roday james roday uh was like i i don't want him to ask because i'm concerned what he'll think of the episode which i get uh completely because to get David Lynch in your thing, he's going to have to read the script. Yeah. And then you have David Lynch reading a script you wrote. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's exhausting. And then he, what might, an, uh, <laughs> he might come to you with some David Lynch notes. Exactly. Now, um, James, I notice here on this page you've written about this character when it really should be this character. Yeah, exactly. Um and then Ray Wise is in this. Apparently, he's just been in episodes of Psych. He's, he is a recurring character on the series. Yeah, yeah. so it just, it just worked out for this episode. And they do a reference to his hair turning white in Twin Peaks. Yes, they sure do. Which was funny. What is your relationship to Twin Peaks? I watched it when it, um, my mom was really into the show while it was airing. So I saw most of it while it was airing. That's more or less where I'm at. I'm I I haven't rewatched it in oh, a very I, long time. I, I have. It's been it's been probably five or six years since my last rewatch, though. So I am a little fuzzy. Like there was some stuff in this episode, like uh, the sheriff. The sheriff is uh, Sheriff Andrew Jackson, which is obviously a reference to Sheriff Harry S. Truman from Twin Peaks. Ah, uh, yes. The actor who plays him is also in Twin Peaks uh, in a smaller role where I. Be- like this is like one of the main references that I couldn't quite get. I can't quite remember who he plays. I believe he's this old guy who grows. He's kind of an invalid or a shut-in, and Laura like befriends him. I think he has her diary. I think that's like the role he plays in the show. Um, okay. Anyway, I that actor was in both the series and uh, Firewalk with me. I just can't quite remember his character. Yeah. 
Yeah, they got as many people as they could. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Yeah, it, he 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 was. I, I looked at most of them up, and I recognized their faces on the show. Yeah, Audrey like, plays the librarian. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, Bobby is Bob, <laughs> the the guy yeah. who runs the uh, diner. Uh, yeah, uh, but I I would say that I probably missed a lot of the references. I'm not a big fan of Twin Peaks. Uh, there's a certain like nostalgia to it, and there's a certain like comfort in Twin Peaks because it's very much of a time mm-hmm. in the '90s. Oh yeah, uh, and it's very melodramatic, and the music is very distinct. Yeah, uh, and obviously the things I'd say the things they focused on is the music and the acting, which was very smart two things to focus on. Oh yeah, because they act like fucking like they're in Twin Peaks. And mo- mainly that means acting like they're in a soap opera. Yeah. And uh, Sean and Gus frequently call out how strange it is. Like yeah, when, when the boyfriend they- starts breaking down and crying over the earring, he's like, all right, that's a little much. It's a yeah. bit melodramatic. <laughs> I like that Gus has like sympathetic crying because it works in this episode. Yeah, right. Because yeah. uh, everybody keeps <laughs> crying. So he just keeps crying. They do a good goof on the when they discover Laura Palmer's body in the pilot of, of Twin Peaks. It's this really protracted sequence like it shows how it affects every single person in the town Uh, and it's this drawn out sequence where everybody's crying there's the extremely memorable moment when her mom finds out and just screams and it's a really kind of a scary uh haunting scream especially if you you know watch the show when you were like six or whatever when it came on uh and they kind of goof on that in this episode uh they it's they they i i agree with you that definitely the two main things they focus on are the music and the melodrama of the acting and those were smart because they're two big the two main things that everybody remembers about twin peaks right but it is like i mentioned it is absolutely dense with just real quick references uh little asides like um gosh uh she emails them like they get the case because they get an anonymous email from under the nail at something and under the nail is a reference to they find a pretty critical piece of it's like the first real clue that they find in twin peaks is under laura palmer's fingernails um so Ah. it's like that level of reference that's going on in this episode right it's so fucking dense it's everything though because like casual twin peaks you'll like like when they find the body, it's almost shot for shot. It's so close. The, the end credits is the same. Yeah, like yeah, even yeah. With, even with the same, like it's the exact same score. Like I think throughout, they're kind of aping the music, but the end credits <laughs> is just the same end credits theme from Twin Peaks. Right. And of course, they do the dancing. Uh, yeah, they they do all all the things people would expect. They really they really did a a very good job of nailing the vibe of twin peaks in a lot of scenes well what they're doing um and it's a really cool idea and i think i honestly think this is where they failed in the last episode um this episode made me not like the last episode um more i mean i I liked i didn't dislike the last episode but like um this episode is undeniably way stronger yeah because this the key that they missed from the last episode is it's like they're entering the world Right. And they're the only ones who notice. Right. So everybody's very, tw- like, melodramatic and everything's very Twin Peaks, except for them. 
And it works a lot better. This is a later episode, too, so it might be... it, it, there might be an element of we're more seasoned at this at this point. Yeah. But going back to what I was saying about these episodes representing the show as a whole, mm-hmm. the the issue is like all the tropes in this are tropes from Twin Peaks. All all the jokes are about that, and so like I still have no clear idea what a normal episode of this show is like. Um, it doesn't feel like this represented the show because it's all references. A lot, um, a lot of it is. Um, and like, I can see that being a fun celebration, but it's one of those things where I'm watching it and I'm like, God, I hope the regular show isn't just constant pop culture references without a punchline. This, the, it's a punchline because it works for what they're doing. They're spoofing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't, I think I still don't have an idea of what the, like I was looking at like the detective tropes where it's like, Oh, sheriff's son or like, mm-hmm. Oh, she has a diary. These are all like such common tropes. And I realized, Oh, cause they're from tr- twin peaks. It's twin peaks. Like, it's, yeah, it's, they're, it's, they're all, all twin, twin peaks. peaks tropes. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, you can't really, I can't really judge it by that more as I'm judging it by just how fun of a celebration of twin peaks is it? It is. That's fair. And I think, um, I disagree that they're the only jokes in this episode are references because there are, there is a lot of of good gags that represent the show and it's kind of it, it's based a lot around sort of rapid fire delivery between Sean and Gus. Right. Um. I just I think maybe the references stood out more because the whole thing is a reference. Yeah. But like I like, enjoyed like the scene like the scene for instance where they're eating pie and like. Sean says to Gus, he's like, you're on your eighth piece. You should slow down. And and Gus is like, I, I eat when I'm like tense. And anyway, what are you talking about? You had six. And then Sean's like, that's right, because I believe in portion control. That's kind of like what the humor is like. Right. In the show. Yeah, they're, they're back and forth. I liked, and I don't know if this is a reference. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe this is a Twin Peaks reference. My favorite line was the Native American... Um, is he a deputy? Is he's a police he's, officer? He's supposed to be Michael Horse from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, I knew who he represents. Yeah, for sure. But he puts his hand on the ground and goes, "The earth is soft and moist," and walks away, uh, which I just thought was great because, of course, it's soft and moist. Yeah. It's the earth, uh, and I just I really that really tickled me. Um, I like the line, "I'm a woman of science and law and accounting." Uh, for the doctor who has who's a vet. Uh, and a what is she psychiatrist, vet optometrist, and like an accountant, uh, accountant and lawyer and vet. Yeah, I said vet, forensic scientist. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed that bit. Yeah, I mean it. That is a reference to Twin Peaks, but it's also just funny. Yeah, there's also <laughs> again, it's a reference to small town life. Yeah, which that's what Twin Peaks is. Yeah, so there's a lot of small town tropes that don't really. It's one of those things that's in so much film and TV whenever a small town pops up. Yeah. It's it's always like the most offensive portrayal of small towns because it's all written by people from L.A., it feels like. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have no they have no reception. Um, there's there's the idea that everybody knows each other, mm-hmm. which I've never like. Have you ever experienced that? I haven't, but I know it's a thing. And then, like, they're all, the town is all gathering around a festival, like, it's the biggest thing, uh-huh. that sort of stuff, where it's like, I've never experienced that in small towns. Like, there's fairs and shit, and, like, if you're a teenager and you don't have a car, yeah, you're gonna have to go to those to, like, do drugs uh, and hang out with other teenagers. 
but like i guess i don't know i uh, i think maybe you either just weren't from the right small town or not a small enough town uh maybe not yeah like for instance marina grew up in an extremely small town and this is i mean twin peaks is that's one of the like i showed her twin peaks during my last rewatch and it just clicked with her because she's just like oh this is just everything about where i grew up but like uh, like the the two specific things like cell phone reception um everybody gathering around a festival that's not in twin peaks right well cell phone reception I, well a li- obviously I, I isn't in twin peaks but a little there's a little bit uh oh right because i think dale's got one at some right. points That's... it is 1990 they exist yeah 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 um but like yeah gathering around like every like i don't know like the like the yeah i, I think a gather everybody in town gathering around a certain specific event that's definitely a thing i think what it is is that it's an exaggeration of thing that exists because my town had a giant milk bottle in it and we were very proud of it and by we i mean not me Mm -hmm. uh i mean like other people that i was aware of were very proud of this milk bottle yeah the town government they they displayed it they spent money on keeping it right the the milk bottle could run for mayor and it would win right but like we'd never have an annual milk bottle parade, you know. It wasn't that extreme. You just have your regular like Memorial Day shit. Um, and so this town is like they're doing what cinnamon pie, yeah, uh, which sounds either disgusting or delicious. I'm not sure which ha- is. I assume that's a real thing. Have you ever had cinnamon pie? Um, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, me either. It, I don't know. It, yeah, it could be good, but everybody's into the cinnamon pie, including our main characters. Yeah, and that's a Twin Peaks gag. Well, the pie, yeah. The pie, yeah. I get the twist that it's, yeah, it's cinnamon instead and it's, cider. Yeah, it's like weird. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not coffee and apple pie, it's it's apple cider and cinnamon pie. Yeah. Which still sounds delicious. Yeah. I I am going to have hot Afri- apple cider after recording this. Yeah, you, Honestly, if I had access to it, I would as well. I'd be drinking oh, it I right have now. I don't know why you're not drinking it right now. Eh, I want to I wanna sit and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking apple cider, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, you know, podcast and drink it. It's if I drink it, that's going to be my whole world mm-hmm. while I that's drink it. That's going to be my activity. Yeah. Yeah. You it's just not- want to, do you want to hear like 10 minutes of me just sipping right right, right like like in like a, a a mug of cider is not like it's not an accompanying activity it is the activity yeah absolutely yeah oh god i want cider so much right fucking now mm-hmm. um should we go through the episode should we explain what the episode is yeah yeah sure um uh yeah. so like you said they get an email like you said it's dense with references and I would say it moves very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going with what I remember is that, yeah, they they get an email asking them, what is it's telling them about the festival? Yeah, it's about the cinnamon festival. There's no mystery right away. Not right away. It's just weird. Like Gus thinks it's weird that they got this email that's from like a specific, a very specific URL. So it, he doesn't think it's spam. And it was directly to their psych account, their detective account. Right. Uh that's cute. That that's kind of cute, right? Because I mean, spam existed when this came out. If I got that sort of email, I would not be excited about it. I would immediately delete it mm-hmm. because you know the internet. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, they go to the town of Dual Spires. There's a um. There's the town celebration. This is what uh, set me off on the small town stuff because he notices his like 
one of his first clues is that there's a chair for every person in town. Yeah. And a few people are missing. Mm -hmm. And that's like weird. And I was like, but it's can't people not be here in a town of 288 people? Yeah. You would notice. I see. I don't think so. I think it. This is what I mean. Is like it's it's not a cult. It's a small town. Like some people are going to stay home for the festival. Somebody's sick. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like a guaranteed clue, but I like that is like 288 is extremely extremely small. It is for a town for an entire town. Like that's yes. Most people's graduating classes are that size. Right. Um, I mean, even my town was, I think it's like 1,500 people in my town. Mm -hmm. So it was a small town, but yeah, that's in an like incredibly small is town. incredibly small. It's a weird clue. And there's a, there's a gag later where there was like six people in the graduating class the last year yeah. of high school. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my elementary school was, I think, 11 kids. So again it's it's not the smallest town but it was pretty it's small. not immediate it's not an immediate clue but the fact that sean does the math and there's there's only one person that's unaccounted for there's one empty seat that's not accounted for and that is something you would notice and that is that's um paul paula that, merrill that paula merrill which is an anagram of laura palmer <laughs> yeah yeah of course it is yeah of course it is um yeah that's i remember that being the next thing that happens her body washes up yeah, the guy uh, comes riding up, who we find out later is blind in one eye. Right. Um, and he's found the body, and then it's it's just it's the identical scene of the discovery it's, of Laura Palmer's body. The moment they find the body, it's when it devolves into Twin Peaks. Like that's when the music really starts. Like there's music before, and that's when the credits happen. And I really liked how they did that because it's the idea of like. As soon as grief hits this small town, mm -hmm. everybody turns into a twin beast. Right. Everybody turns into a maniac. <laughs> yeah, it was a good. It's a good placement of where what the inciting incident does. Yeah, uh, which I liked. And yeah, they the moment they the opening shot, opening the body bag, um, and uh, they do the thing where they only have reception in one place. And I could have sworn that was setting something up, and it never did, did it? No, I think it's just a gag. Yeah, I was so surprised because that really felt like a clue, because it, or it really felt like a like they were setting up a, a dramatic thing. I mean, it's not. This isn't a criticism. It's just um, like I. It's a red herring. Yeah, it felt like. Yeah, I think so. And I just I picked it up as again just more of a. I can't. It's been too long since my last rewatch. So I'm not sure how direct of a reference it is, but there were a lot of moments like because what happens in that scene is you have the gag of the cell phone reception literally being in like one spot that you stand in. Like Sean takes a step out of that spot yeah. and he loses the call. Um, but when that call gets dropped because he's on the phone with Ray Wise, uh, that prompts Ray Wise to come to the town, uh, rescue them from a fire in the library and then he's already called the two detectives so that they, the two detectives come in and rescue them at the very end from the lodge. And it's just this series of very serendipitous, lucky events that are triggered by that phone call. And there's a lot of that in twin peaks. Yeah. Yeah. Ray wise basically saves all of them. Yeah. Um, in a very twin peaks way where it's just like the, like a, a deus ex machina and they're just like yeah I, I did this thing on my way here it's like oh that, that constantly happens in twin Peaks. Yeah. yeah deus ex machina from a priest from from ray wise yeah. 
<laughs> from Ray Leland Palmer. Yeah. From the, Solid the, actor. the guy who drops a girder on RoboCop. <laughs> Is that? Wow. What a career. Yeah. He's one of the thugs in RoboCop. He's don't what touch me, career. man. That's him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh God, let's see if I can remember. Um, the, the, they go, I think they go to the doctor next. They go to the doctor next. Yeah. And that's where they see Randy, who was, uh, Paula's boyfriend's earring in an evidence tray. And even though she says she hasn't done an autopsy yet, she has an evidence tray out. Um, so that's a clue meaning, yep. meaning she already knows it's a murder because she's the murderer. Um, right. Well, is she, wait, who is the actual, I thought this was like a, um, it's on, it's like a hot fuzz it's a, thing. It's a hot fuzz thing. It's, yeah, a, it's unclear it's... who the actual murderer is. I mean, they probably said it and I just missed it, but it's her and the sheriff are the conspirators. Yeah. So one it's of them pretty is, the much, killers, is the killer. It's pretty, it's the same gag from hot fuzz, right? It's the idea of like, they wanted their town to be, to remain, uh, precious or mm-hmm. like the way it was. They are, they, Ray Wise even references the village in it like there's a reference to the yeah. village <laughs> like how they just they want their their community to remain isolated and perfect and paula was planning on leaving with randy and uh I, they cut yeah i love the everwood gag by the way that was a good gag oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is that it's yeah, the only um, show they watch they gather around to watch everwood yeah because sean is just a, a reference machine and he's limited because no one knows what, Nobody he's, talking knows what about. he's talking about. Yeah. So he has to talk only in Everwood gags because that's the only show they know. So that's that's a really solid like joke for uh, yeah for this character it's who a, only knows references. It's a good joke bucket. It's a good a good a good instinct to to have is to limit his available references. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like taking away Iron Man's suit. Exactly, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Iron Man 3 of comedies. Yeah. <laughs> um, the earring leads him to the sheriff's son. Yeah. And the sheriff's son, I don't know that actor, but he's fucking killing it. Uh, uh, he's, he's really not in he's Twin really Peaks, great. I assume. He oh, was no, like no, a, no. He wouldn't have even, I don't think he would child. have existed when Twin yeah. Peaks came out. And I, I don't know. There's something about watching a young actor nail a reference that they can't possibly understand because uh, he's just doing Twin Peaks teenager melodrama yeah, he's, where he's like, he's, I loved her, you know? Yeah, he's really good at it. And they're <laughs> ramping up the music as he's yeah. doing it. Uh, that was terrific. Like, I, I should look up that actor. He's... Yeah, and, that, he a, and that's the scene where Sean and Gus are like, okay, this is a little much. Yeah. <laughs> he's like weeping he, over the earring. He's got like the hair drapes. He's, he's got like, yeah. He's got the '90s hair drapes. He's he's a combination of two characters from the original Twin Peaks: Bobby and another guy whose name I can't remember, but he was the boring one anyway. Right. They got they got the good one to guest star in this show. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, where do they go from there? I think they go to the um, library after that because they get a they get a Dewey Decimal clue. I forget where the that yeah, clue okay, came from. That- yeah, that confused the shit out of me. They did definitely went to the library. They had a Dewey Decimal clue that led them to a book on reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I like just lost the thread, but I couldn't figure out how they had decided that she had the 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 victim had died already. Because they called the two detectives back in Santa Barbara, uh Juliet and um Lassiter, uh and asked them to to 
look into the the death of Paula and she had apparently run been taken off by her aunt at one point. They basically have them look into the case and then they come back with uh Paula actually drowned 7 years prior. Right. And so they they connect that information with the the book about reincarnation as oh somebody's trying to tell us that they she quote unquote was reincarnated meaning she faked her death. Right. Or her death was faked 7 years prior. Right, and it was her dad who helped her, right? But they, it was it's it's Bobby from Twin Peaks who plays Bob in this episode. They don't know he's her dad yet. It's like he and his he and his wife were her aunt and uncle, uh, and her mom was Bobby's wife's sister. Uh, right, but she was real volatile, and she took Paula and ran off. So they went and got Paula to bring her back and faked her death out in Santa Barbara, so that nobody, so that she could live with them in dual spires and be happy and not be bothered by her, you know, quote unquote crazy mom. Right. the uh, The librarian is later found hung. Yep. Um, they find that she has the only access to the internet in the town. Yeah. So and she was she the was one emailing fact, them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then they're locked in the library, which is on fire, and that's when they're rescued by Ray Wise. Um, that's when we learn about the biological father. He takes them to uh, his Twin Peaks cabin. Yeah. Um, uh, and so he reveals, or someone reveals, that the sawmill fire, like the town became protective, and they learn that uh, 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 this girl was going to run away with the sheriff's son. Yeah. And that's why they killed her. Yeah. And then they killed Audrey, the librarian, because she was telling on them. And also she was apparently having some kind of relationship with Randy, the sheriff's son. Yes. Um, And then. Yeah. Yeah. They're taken away. Uh, They go to the diner and they're just. That is. That's where we're just drowning in Twin Peaks references. (laughs) Yeah. And they decide that it's fucking weird there and they leave. Yeah. It's pretty great. that's That's the episode. It's pretty great. It's a wonderful fucking celebration of Twin Peaks. Um, yeah. And it, you yeah. Re- we mentioned the sawmill. Of course, the sawmill was a major part of Twin Peaks. Right. Um, I, think, I think that's where I, Laura's body is found out by the sawmill. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I haven't watched it in so long. Oh, uh, you should. It's out of its mind. I need to give that a rewatch. In the best possible way. It's so, it is so unabashedly like, unrestrained david lynch yeah it's like a, it's, it is a marvel it was on network television it's one of those shows i, I will say i think it's one of it's a show that's how do i put this it's i think a lot of people who haven't seen it it gets really hyped up for right it's and a, then they watch it and it's actually kind of a slow ass show it's incredibly slow yeah and it's not as batshit as people think it's going to be. It's mostly just melodramatic um, and slow. It. I disagree that it's not as batshit as people say. It's just, it's not, it's like a real sub, subversively batshit. Like it's, it's very quietly out of its mind. Yeah. You, you, and the highs are to, high. Yeah. And the one thing that's sort of missing from all of this that they do, I mean, they they do add it in that last scene, mm-hmm. but Dale Cooper, um, like, he's not represented fully in this. No, not, re- just, yeah, not really. Um, and I would argue he's, uh, I mean, I don't think, 
I think they did a fine job. I don't think they needed to, mm-hmm. but he is kind of like the core of Twin Peaks uh, for obvious reasons, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the he, ish, the, I think, makes it the most weird. Yeah, in I most think, scenes. I think that's maybe why he's not represented because he is the detective from out of town, which is Sean and Gus in this episode. But he himself is so idiosyncratic on his own that yeah, it, it wouldn't. I guess you couldn't, you couldn't have made Sean and Gus Dale Cooper because then they would have to be just as weird as the town. Right. What a weird instinct, by the way, is let's bring a detective from out of town. He's supposed to represent us reacting, but instead he's a maniac too, mm-hmm. just in a different way. Yeah. Who is the most grounded? Is it the cop? The, um, I forget the character's name. Harry, like... Harry Truman. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Is he the most grounded character in Twin Peaks? Um, maybe it's real hard to say. <laughs> Yeah, every, it's hard to everyone find Everyone is so larger than life, and like, did, it's, out, did you it's watch, out of control. Yeah, did you watch the revival? No, I haven't. I need to. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. I It's still it's still hard to um, fully judge this show, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to really have a clear idea, I don't think, by the time we finish this miniseries, because we're... No, we're watching it. all of these like special episodes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're all it, that's the thing it's they're all weird circumstances it is funny that sean and gus come out here and they basically do they take this case in exchange for apple cider and cinnamon pie basically all the right. all the cider and pie they can eat that's fair i understand that yeah i mean they make good on it they're in the diner like three or four different times just yeah, house, yeah, yeah. housing pies they only eat pie yeah God, now I want pie. Fuck. Well, you gotta have something to go with your cider, you jerk. Cider and pie, man. You, it's not my fault you planned your evening poorly. I, no, my evening is not over. I, there's that's true. cider and pie in my future. Mm-hmm, that's true. That's true. Yeah, like a thick pie. Mm-hmm. A cinnamon pie. It does sound appealing uh, with cider. Uh, I, I will say it's a little too much spice. Um, yeah, I would worry, about the, too I would worry about the spice quotient. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, a pumpkin pie? Oh, that's pretty spicy, too. I don't, we don't have to solve this right now. We probably shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that, that's mainly my thoughts on this, um, on this show. I mean, there, there's, there's, uh, we can go through what, uh, like, I don't know what references you caught. Like I said, I, I, too, I'm sort of, like, too, I'm sort like of, I said, um, too many to count. Like, I had to stop writing them down. All right. I'm not really, a, a, like well versed in Twin Peaks, and I'm not well versed in uh, uh, Psych, so I I have very little left to say about this episode. It was fun. Yeah, uh, there was no there was there wasn't a flashback to a lesson from his dad in this episode. I don't know if that's something they abandoned in later seasons. Is that a thing that's in every episode that you've watched so far? Every episode in the first season, yeah. That honestly sounds like an exhausting thing to have in a show yeah um i don't understand it i don't know why they would do it um like is his dad a big deal for him does it inform his character a lot yes okay yeah his dad was a police detective okay so the all right that makes that makes a bit more sense it's why he is the way he is like his dad basically trained him to be hyper observant 
Right. How did he... Uh, I feel like you might have explained this. Why is he a psychic? The psychic stuff, by the way, this is... Again, maybe this is because this isn't a regular episode. I expected the psychic stuff to come out way more. And honestly, in these two episodes I've seen, people don't even treat him like a psychic. It's not him really having to hide the fact that he's not a psychic. Not really. No one seems to be concerned. It's the main it's the main like idea behind the show, but I haven't really seen it. Like I thought the show was going to be constant like psychic gags of him having to pretend to be psychic and having to sort of grift his way more to that, be like that definitely to, happens more often in the show proper with with okay, with episodes like just, these it takes a backseat to let's create this bizarre alternate reality yeah. cuz when he's solving the mystery he's just calling it out yeah and and if you notice like i think that might even be a further meta reference to twin peaks cuz if you notice when he first tells Bobby and his wife Michelle that he's psychic and wants to help him with their case he kind of he lays it on kind of thick but they immediately accept it they're just like right. oh right yeah no sure of course well we don't have much money to pay you we can pay you insider and pie like that's their reaction to him saying he's psychic right so like yeah they're unconcerned as, as the episode progresses he kind of stops laying it on as thick until by the end when he's when he notices uh Bobby's mason ring which is like the final clue that he needs to fall into place he like very half-heartedly raises a hand to his temple and is like i know who killed Paula like he's barely trying anymore okay so in normal episodes does he because the issue of course being like if you're a psychic you should be able to know right away mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, and so he, he, I assume the idea is he gets into crime scenes and locations because he's like, I need to get a sense of the energy in the room. Yeah. Does he ever do like seance stuff? Does he ever really ham up the psychicness? Oh yeah. Okay. And so like, and he'll, it's- he'll very often solve the crime or find a clue that he can't reveal that he knows yet. So he has to like wait for a situation to happen where he can quote unquote get a psychic vision. Um, so there's a little bit of an additional game on top of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it's like he yeah. can't he can't go someplace and f- like by following a regular chain of evidence and find another clue and be like, oh, you guys should come here. He has to like come up with some reason why he psychically found this answer. Right. Uh, in this episode, though, I feel like. For, you know, in in one uh, on on the one hand, it's it's playing a backseat like it did in the last one because the main focus of this episode is to be a Twin Peaks parody. But also, it it's like a further gag on Twin Peaks because it's such a bizarre reality that he shows up and he's like, "I'm a psychic detective," and everyone there is like, "Of course you are." Right. That's yeah. That's the kind of bullshit we're used to. Yep. <laughs> Why wouldn't yeah. you be? <laughs> yeah. God, I want pie. Yeah, man. Tom. You can make that happen. I can. Yeah. I can I can actually make that happen. Mm-hmm. I made my own uh lime lime uh or we did. We made li- what is it? Kiwi lime? Key lime? Key lime. It was pretty good. Very limey. I'll keep you updated on the other pies we make. No, you should. I just I want to I, I want to point I feel like I I've, I've only like further galvanized uh in my uh pushback against your uh definitive description of small towns because you couldn't even like you didn't even know what key lime pie was clearly well wait 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 wait. (laughs) are you saying that i don't have small town cred because i don't know what key lime pie is i'm saying (laughs) that there are definite gaps in your knowledge base 
Well, that's my point, though, <laughs> is that people from small towns don't have knowledge of being in a small town. Yeah. Small towns are always depicted as these very specific communities. And like, you know, like most people, I can only talk about my experiences in a single small town. Yeah. So I'm sure there are small towns where everybody is a community and knows each other, et cetera, et cetera. But like, for the most part, my, I don't know. I, again, I think it depends on the nature of the small town. Like, it, I'm in a very woodsy small town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in the kind of place where there's a lot of like, you know, drive down that road for a mile and there's a gated house. Yeah. And it's like, boy, I wonder what crime they did or are doing currently. Yeah. Um, so it's like, no, nobody knows each other. Everybody's just fucking doing their own thing. And then you got like rich people coming in. So everybody's like rich and like, uh, do, you know, also like. These are just their other homes, and there's not much community, and people aren't invested so much in the community, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, I think that stuff also changes when you have kids, right? Because suddenly then your kids go into that school, uh, and suddenly you have to give a shit again Yeah, about the small town, because you're just doing stuff with the school, and, you know, then you got to bring them to, like, fucking fairs and crap, and they yeah. got to meet firemen. Yeah. Kids want to meet firemen. Yeah, That's they, exhausting. They want to sit in trucks. Yeah. So you gotta like, yeah, you gotta you get to know people. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I'm sure there's just sit, a feeling of sit community. on sit on bales of hay like they're chairs. Right. I just found that in general, like you can have that in a city too. In small towns and cities, the only real difference is you could get murdered by a bear in one of them. Yeah. That's what I found. I feel from like my experience. I feel like it depends on the city. Like if you lived in Zootopia. Well, yeah. If you lived in de- Zootopia, definite. you could get m- murdered by a bear anywhere. Yeah. Or like those videos of when a bear was in downtown LA, and people are losing their shit because you're walking around a fucking alleyway. You don't expect to see a bear. That's like you know you got enough problems. Right. You don't need to see a bear. Ah. I'd, Any I'd, other I'd, I'd almost exchange the bear for a, a like a regular mugger. It's like, can we just get well, like, abs- can we get oh, like a regular mugger up in here? A hundred percent. Whenever I go home, uh, we're surrounded by woods and I forget this is that a mugger can be reasoned with. A mugger wants your money. A bear wants you. <laughs> a, well, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's the added level. The, the, what the bear is specifically after in, in that given moment is a delightful mystery. Yeah, uh, that's true because the, <laughs> you're right. At at best, the bear is not interested you in you. At worst, the bear is hungry, right? At um, worst, and agitated. At worst, the bear is specifically interested in you. Yeah, I will say though, bears. You know, obviously, black bears are big babies. Um, other bears, you know, less so. But even bears, usually, I don't think they tend to like. I don't know. I'm more scared of the mountain lions around L.A. because they're cats, and I know cats. Yeah. Uh, and they'll maim you if they're not hungry, and they'll come out of fucking nowhere. And I don't know if that's better or worse, you know? Would you want to see your, your death come lumbering towards you slowly or come leaping out of the bushes and, like, grab you in the neck? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to try both and then get back to you. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't have cast. I don't have any more thoughts about this episode of Psych. Nor do I. Oh uh, yeah, then I guess we did it. We did it. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. Also, big thank you to Noah, thank our Patreon you, producer, Noah, 
for making this all happen. It's been fun. Yeah. Uh, we got two more of these coming up. Should I tell them? Tell them the what episodes? the episodes are? Uh, sure. Well, you can tell them what the next episode is for def- for sure. It's Here's Lassie. Ah, that's the Shining one. One assumes, yes. That's going to be a hard one because it's uh, like, we haven't talked about this in terms of, um, like, what was the first one? Night, uh, Friday the 13th. Um, Friday the 13th. This was Twin Peaks. Neither of those are, like, famously spoofed. Uh, the Shining is spoofed everywhere. All the time, yeah. It is extremely spoofed. Um, and I think it's often spoofed either in cartoons or things that have the money to recreate it. Uh, what I was getting at is that The Hotel and The Shining is very distinct, and it's kind of one of the key things you need to spoof when you're spoofing The Shining. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like an elevator with blood coming out of it. You can't just use like an office elevator for that. I uh, think I could be wrong. Uh, I believe they use the actual, like the real life overlook, the hotel that it's based on. Well, okay, that's that could be one of two things. There is the one that's in. Um, it's the one that's in Dumb and Dumber. Oh, the Estes Park. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's yeah. That one doesn't look like the movie, Mm-mm. but it is in fact the one that Stephen King based the book off of, and, and they filmed the TV. And movie. it's the one that's in the TV version. Yeah. Yeah. And Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> a nice ass hotel. Because the one that's the one that they shot exteriors for, which is still there, I think is in Montana. It's in Montana, I'm pretty sure. And I yeah. think the interiors are actually fairly similar. Uh, they they base the interiors off of that place. Yeah. But they are sets. Oh yes, for a specific reason. But we don't need yeah. to talk about the shining. No. Not yet. Not yet. But we'll we talk will. about it in the next episode. Because I, I assume that Judging by the last two episodes, uh, particularly this one, but there was also em- elements of it in the Friday Thirteenth one, where it's clear, like it's more than it is more than a surface level spoof in both cases. Uh-huh. So I almost expect there to be elements of the geography of the hotel not making sense in this episode that we're about that we're going to watch next. I I hope they really go for it because yeah. I guess my point is you can't half ass a shining spoof. Mm-mm. Not really, at least. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I am expecting, but, I am expecting a reference to a door that leads nowhere. All right, Mark, I'm not sure. Marking that down. We'll see. We'll see. Right. Some kind we'll of see. reference, whether it it just be you can notice by watching closely that the layout of the hotel doesn't make any logical sense, or like one of the characters will try to open a door and it just leads nowhere. I'm curious specifically about the blood elevator because that's a really expensive thing to have to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing they're not going to quite do that. Um, God, I love the Simpsons gag about that. Oh, yeah. Usually usually the blood gets off on the third floor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's terrific. Um, I'm sure they'll have twins. Oh, yeah. The the tricycle probably. I mean, obviously, here's Lassie. So like the axe through the door. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll cross get that to bridge it. It's we gonna, get there. it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. All right. Well, let me tell you guys about our Patreon. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/GamefullyUnemployed, you can find uh, exclusive podcasts on there. For five dollars a month, you get Tom and Jeff watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a maniac, and our monthly show, uh, Star Trek: The Next Futurama, Woo. that is co-hosted between myself and Michael Swaim. It's also co, well, hosted on the patrons of ours and small beans indeed uh it is a joint production between us and small beans so you got to subscribe to us both to get all the episodes yeah motherfuckers uh we did Uh, we did that on purpose 
we did sorry sorry everyone um but also if you if you do like ten dollars a month you can watch movies with us every friday night it's true we do that that's really fun we've There's watched the shining before <laughs> we sure have yeah yeah um, uh, so yeah check all that out yeah we also have a store tpublic.com slash store slash gamefully and employee where you get t-shirts masks mugs stickers posters all kinds of things including uh some brand new molder stuff yeah we released the first one already and uh, you know what they'll probably be both out by the both time will probably you be to this. out by the time you hear this yeah yeah so check those out yep my soul mm. is tired <laughs> <laughs> boy is it you know what it needs some pie some pie yeah <laughs> some some cider and pie yeah. Oh, I, were yeah. you talking about is cider how you what you call cocaine? Cuz it's what I call cocaine. No, that's what I call pie. Oh, okay. All right. We're more or less talking about the same. C- cider is machine guns. <laughs> <laughs>